once the world was full of wonders. But it belongs to humans now. We have all but disappeared. Demons, vampires, and witches hiding in plain sight. And we're live. Welcome back, Vamp Kiki Wonder Base Extraordinaires. We are so excited that you are back. For us to discuss episode five of our favorite show, A Discovery of Witches. Hey, Marcy. Hey, John. How's it going? You know, I've had better days. <laughs> I know what would brighten your, your kind of not great Valentine's Day. I know. I think an amazing survey that a lot of right. our listeners on Twitter participated in, like over 47 of you participated in the following survey. And we have the results for you. So are you ready, Marcy? I'm ready. So um, what we're trying to say is we asked, if you could have or one elemental power, what would it be? And the choices were witch wind, witch rain, witch fire, which is a spoiler alert, sorry, because we haven't gotten there yet, or Matthew Good. And what do you think I answered? Um, witch fire? I did. Yeah, that's a good power. It's a good power. I'm going to take a wild guess that you chose Matthew. Um, you don't know my life, <laughs> um, and you're right. <laughs> no, but, but it's exciting to see everyone kind of like jump in on Twitter. It was fun. Overwhelming, overwhelming. what was it? Matthew Good with 61% of the vote. But, Marcy, you came in second with 21% with Witchfire. Those are my girls. That's my, my, what my friend Kate calls the easy bake coven, 100%. That's, I love it. I love <laughs> it. Well, Marcy, um, you know, I just want to welcome back all of our listeners. Thanks for coming back with us on the Pop Culture Theologians podcast. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Facebook at Pop Theologians. Um, big shout out to the Engaged Gays for hosting our podcast. You can follow me at my basic handle, J Erickson 84 Five and Marcy, my foul mouth sailor friend from Florida. Where can we find you? You can always find me at I am the men who can on Twitter. Uh, I keep thinking about changing it, but I'm going to stick with it for now. So <laughs> that's where you can find. Wonderful. Me. Well, Marcy, um, because last week all of our news was in Florida for weird news of the week. Um, did anything weird happen in Florida this week? Just a little bit. Uh, our first weird news story of the week does not have anything witchy in it because I can't seem to, pagans are not misbehaving and I'm very proud of them, but Florida men are. So Florida man throws burrito in woman's face and apparently this has happened before. So Mexican food has now been weaponized in Florida, of course. Uh, on Monday, a Port Ritchie man was arrested and booked for a misdemeanor domestic battery charge for throwing a burrito in his sexual partner's face during an argument, uh, according to the sheriff. <laughs> What's strange about this is it's not the first time this man throws burritos at his wife. Um, yo. <laughs> I, like, domestic abuse is not something to laugh at. So that's awful. Like, I hope she gets out of this marriage and whatnot. But uh, when you've been hit by burritos multiple times. Gotta go. Yeah, go, man. What a waste of burritos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also, like, is it like a Chipotle burrito? Or is it, it like does a Taco Bell burrito. burrito. Oh, yeah, that's just, that's just insulting. 
So I love Taco Bell. So for me, that's just a waste of Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> she does, people. She does. I really, really do love Taco Bell. So of course, this is Florida uh, because where else would that happen? Nowhere. Uh, nowhere else. Um, let's move on to our second weird story of the week. Um, I thought this one was kind of crazy. A woman crept into an abandoned house to smoke pot, as one does. She instead found a caged tiger under the house. So a woman went into an abandoned house. She wanted to smoke some MJ. Uh, but when she got inside the garage, she found a tiger in a cage. She called uh, 311, which is the non-emergency hotline, um, and the people were skeptical. Turns out there really was a tiger. Here's my thing. You call 311? Like you're in such a good mental state that you don't call 911? Like if I climb into your house's garage to tweak out a bit and I see a tiger, I'm dialing 911, I'm dialing my mom, I'm like screaming my head off till I get out of that. Like I just, I'm impressed with this woman. What's 311? It's like the non-emergency. So that's like when you're like, hey, like my neighbors are being assholes. They won't stop like yelling or like not even yelling because yelling you could probably, but like they're, it's like a loud party or like there's like a naked clown walking down my street. Like, you yeah, know, you call 311. Does that happen a lot, MRC, in Florida? It's happened once or twice. <laughs> naked clowns walking down your street? It happened, uh, it actually happened in Los Angeles once and I didn't know what to do. So I texted <laughs> everyone I knew and was like, there's a naked clown outside. Um, this is like the porn from hell dream I can't get out of. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> So, and I want to actually end, I was going to do this one about like a half naked woman shutting down an airport, but there's such a better Florida man one. Uh, Florida man <laughs> uh, apparently decided to take his um, gator, his alligator, five foot alligator on a beer run and chaos ensues. Um, I love that. Like, I love the intro to the article too, because it's like, if Florida isn't the proudest state in the union, it should be. It's got the noble tradition of Florida men and women doing very Florida things. So apparently this dude was under the influence a bit and was like, you know, I'm really good friends with my gator. And like, no one questions in Florida that he has a pet gator, apparently. And he was like, I just wanted to take him out for some beer. He has apparently very little recognition or like recollection of like where he got this pet gator. Cause like, he doesn't particularly remember it prior to like his beer run and um, he's afraid he's going to get possible jail time and is also concerned that the alligator will get possible jail time uh yeah so i mean i stand with gators it's no you don't that's so disgusting <laughs> i okay i just have to say that like i've been really emotional towards animals lately and like i like if people share stuff online that's like an animal being mistreated i get like violently upset i do too i think part of it is like look in the words of matthew the time of humans is now and we suck so for me like the only pure beings left on this world is like a cute puppy or a cat or like whatever even the or an otter i'm all into otters right now you know my valentine's day card from brent was two otters holding hands and it said you're my otter person <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, speaking of otter people, I think it's time to really get into our favorite two otter people. Let's, I don't know if you're going to be happy with me this week, but let's do it. Bring it on. Bring it. 
Okay. So we open up with the episode like we do all the time with Marcy's favorite tagline. Marcy, I feel like you have to do this part because like I can't give it justice. Well, I can't even do it word for word, but it's like, once the world was full of wonders. No shit, Matthew. <laughs> the world was full of a lot of great stuff. And then we came along. <laughs> and then we came along. <laughs> exactly. Listeners, get ready for a very cynical episode. Buckle up. It's so, so sad that we're both sassy and cynical on Valentine's Day. No, I don't even care. <laughs> All right. So episode opens up in some type of like nightmare for most women, which is like the mother-in-law and white Nana watching you take a bath. <laughs> white Nana. <laughs> I don't know what else. I know her name's Martha, and that's my name, too, but I'm just kind of like White Nana, White Nanny. White Butler. White Butler. So talk me through the beginning of this episode. Okay, so we obviously wake up to everyone's favorite thing that they could possibly be doing. Um, Matthew's mom and White Nana, Martha, are just watching um, Diana take baths, because if you remember from how the episode ended last week, Diana had a bit of a little breakdown outside and caused witch rain and it was pouring and this is something that has been done in forever um a really 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 long time and so um they're telling her that this witch water has not been seen in centuries and she's overwhelmed because as we as we've been seeing a lot with diana she doesn't understand because she cannot control her power and she thinks that she needs to go stay with her aunts. Um, but Matthew's mother tells her she has made Matthew a promise. Like her, she has told Matthew because Matthew's not there right now. Because remember, he drove away. Um, and that caused the witch rain. And Matthew's mom said, I promise to make sure she's safe and I'll take care of her. And I'm guessing you're not going to get out of this one. So, like, I think this is weird because, like, I don't, there's a bunch of lines that I think the delivery in this episode fail. And I think this is one of them because Matthew told his mom to keep her safe. Whereas the way that this line's delivered, it's like, you can't leave. And I, like, I, I don't like that. <laughs> she, I mean, she has agency to leave. Matthew's just, you know, obviously being overprotective, which is like a vampire trope. Um, but it's one, like, this, it comes out a lot in this episode that I was like, mm. No, <laughs> she can leave. She's choosing to stay, and I wish they had made a nod to that. So yeah, yeah I mean, like, I I found her, I found her trying to be protective because I really saw in the beginning of the episode, and you see through later on in the episode um, that she really sees how much Matthew cares for her and that she's the real right. deal. So I think we're getting there. So I'm okay with kind of her being like really um, protective of her at the moment because I see it being like love protective because she Diana doesn't know a lot of what's going on and like yes like she's seen everything so she's like girl like hold on like just sit in this bath hold my beer, hold my beer with these rose petals for a while like just hang on hang out here it's a fucking castle also so like this chill out for a while I was also critical of anyone who takes a bath in the morning like who has that time who, takes, who has time to take I can barely get out of bed in the morning I might still be wearing my makeup from last Thursday so <laughs> I literally, I'm not even going to go there. It's too, it's too personal. I but <laughs> let's just say that like, I sometimes just get out of bed and I literally wonder if I even went to sleep. Oh, I know. I know. Speaking of people who don't sleep, uh, 
we jump from this like very strange bathtub scene to the vamp kiki. So we're back at the lab and we find out that the lab was broken into and um, <clears throat> Miriam and Marcus are upset, right? And they let Matthew know that to a certain extent, they feel like he put them in danger. So by prioritizing Diana, he's put their, their entire, I'm using quotes, family of vampires in danger. And they're confused kind of like why something like this would happen. So for them, I think they think because they're adorable little researchers that the people are there for their research, like years and years of research. Whereas Matthew's like, they came to figure some stuff out about Diana. And, um, and so as he's kind of explaining, like, you know, they didn't take anything. It's like they were looking for something and they didn't find it. Um, he catches like a whiff of something. And then he's like, peace out, bye. Like if, what, whatever he smelled with his vamp smell. Deuces. Deuces. And so when he exits stage left, um, Miriam like looks at Marcus and is like, you know what? Like, I think it's time we reach out to Baldwin, which for me was kind of a big deal. Cause I guess I had never thought of Baldwin um, as an extension of their family. Right. Because I'm like Baldwin, his brother in the congregation, not Baldwin, part of this entire vamp family. Um, so they call Baldwin and Baldwin's like a tiny bit confused. He's like, I thought this was about the book of life. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? And they're like, yeah, the book's important, but like Matthew may have fallen in love like a Backstreet Boy in 1990 and we can't get him to just kind of like start, like focus for a second. And then Baldwin says something I thought was really interesting, which um, harkens back to some of the discussions that Matthew had with White Butler, which is Baldwin goes, Matthew never destroys just himself. Loved it. I thought that was important. Um, as a person who does not like suffering alone and takes everyone out with me around me, I feel you, Matthew. Um, it's true. It's true. Yeah, it's so true. But then Baldwin says, you know, if he's breaking the rules, like if, if whatever he's doing, he's going rogue, then he's on his own, which um, I'm putting that in my back pocket because, you know, this entire episode kind of delves into who Matthew was. And I think this one sentence of Matthew never destroys himself, just himself. Like he does it like I think that is like a crucial little pearl of information um, for the rest of the series, probably. So Yeah, definitely. And I think we're seeing that. Um, Marcy, I have a really important question for you. Ask, ask me anything. Backstreet boys are in sync. Don't even ask something so stupid and trivial. It's in sync for life. <laughs> okay, we're moving on to the next. Oh my question. god, do we not agree on that? I was never really an InSync person. I think I was more of a Backstreet Boys person because they were classier. Oh. Oh. oh wow. Wow. On Valentine's Day, John. On Valentine's Day, you drive a stick <laughs> through my heart. Can we agree collectively that BB Mac trumps both Backstreet Boys and InSync? Um, BB Mac totally does. Yes. Yeah, see, we're back, and- we're back in love. We're back in love. Great. Okay, perfect. So um, now we go on everyone's other favorite thing that they want to do with their mother-in-law, and they want to go hunting. Um, America. Right? Don't you go hunting? America. Don't you go hunting with Brent's mother-in-law? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Sorry. Um, so, but what happens is, is you start to really see um, Matthew's mother trying to be like, can I scare this person off? Like, is Diana the real deal? Does she really love my son? Does she really know what he is? Because she's young and they've been around for a while. They're like, we've seen some stuff. So like, you're really, this flirtation's super cute, but like, let's be real. So she's really trying to scare Diana away by showing her how brutal being a vampire really is. And she 
it's a really interesting scene because they're like out in the woods and like fabulous like riding gear but without a horse and so like just hanging out there oh no there's horses there's well whatever horse. there's a horse and i thought she was going to eat the horse first of all i thought so too but, like, and i thought i was going to have to like piece out of this episode the way i did of the game of thrones episode where they just decapitated a horse or braveheart when you're like come on dude like yep. can't you can't don't hurt the animals hurt the people <laughs> <laughs> It's true, but (laughs) just yeah, right. Um, (laughs) So she sits there and says to Diana, she because when she goes into like this rage, because remember it's been queued up that you know she's like this killer of covens, like she's a blood monster. She's killed a ton of people, and that she doesn't know if she'll be able to control herself when she starts attacking, um, you know, an animal or whatever she's hunting. And so she goes to Diana, like, "Don't get in my way, girl." And it's like, "Okay, I won't," but. this as you see from diana from all the other episodes diana's not backing down she is not at all and she's like kill as many foxes or whatever you want as you feel necessary like i love your son um hello i made it rain last night so like let's be real like i'm not going anywhere and um matthew's mother kills a fox and diana watches and she's not scared at all so like major props to you diana right she's pretty much like yeah is that the best you've got exactly and would this scare you off from dating matthew if all of a sudden you're like oh hey mother-in-law ooh, i like foxes anyone who kills a fox is dead in my world (laughs) dead in your world you know i would have been like it's okay But, uh, but no, like some creepy mother-in-law is not going to scare me away from my, my love, uh, but killing a fox will. Um, so we jump from here to this, like, John, I have a lot of feelings about this scene. So, okay. This um, is the scene I've been waiting to talk about. So like, okay. let's do it. Let's do this. So Matthew, uh, on the hunt from the scent from the lab, finds Jillian, right? And he kind of mocks her for a second. He's like, so you like broke in the lab. Like, why are you so jealous of Diana? Like, are you still grading those, like, undergrad papers? And, like, he's just, like, a total dick to her. And, um, and then she's, like, did Knox promise you you would rise to the ranks, right? And he's pretty much calling her mediocre and that, like, everything she's doing is for naught because there's nothing there, right? And then he bites her neck. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to use the word. He, like, violently attacks her. Yeah. And in the process, um, like we saw with Juliet and her dad, like gets these memories of like what's happened, right? So we get a feeling of like what happens, what happened in the lab because he kind of can like navigate through her memories when he's biting her. Um, and he's, he's biting her for a very long time and then she collapses and he just like drops her to the floor. I think she's dead. And Matthew goes into her bag and takes some stuff that she stole from the lab and walks away. Um, yo. <laughs> yo, it was a Walk really me through this, John. Walk so this. Why should I not be like... I don't like Matthew. I think you're supposed to. I think you, it's okay to be mad at him. And you're supposed to be upset with him. Because um, just like what, I, and I think there's a reason why both scenes are right after each other. So it's literally showing about the violent nature of vampires and what they're willing to do to protect, I think, their people, aka like their kin most of the time and how really deep this witch stuff goes. But how much Matthew's willing to like, you know, attack someone when it comes to saving Diana because he sees this no longer as a vampire witch thing. He sees this just like as Diana and we've kind of been cued into as watchers. Um, Witches, although they are your kin, like they killed your parents. Right. And I think what he's trying to understand with her is that like, look, 
like he's protecting her and i think that wild nature of his side like and it goes back to like those really nasty tropes of masculinity that they can't control themselves when they're like protecting the love their their possessions their property so like we definitely can like unpack that but at the end of the day i think you're actually supposed to be mad with him and that's yeah, okay. i'm not happy that, that was like no. a super violent act that like honestly is not justified um it's not like i mean if i had a boyfriend who wanted to protect me and some friend like broke into my house and he went and like violently attacked her it is not a sign of anything good and I know for some people, it's like, well, you know, the morality of a vampire is different. Like, they have an eternal life. Like, no, dude. Like, that is, like, violent and unwarranted at this point. So that's how I feel about it. But let's and go back to the hunt. Spoiler alert. She is dead. I don't think so. Okay. Not in the show. Um, we'll see. I mean, like, a lot in the books, she's, she's dead. This kills her. Oh, so they changed it. Yeah. So like, that's I'm just, okay. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I thought you were like spoiling it for the show. It's like, what are you doing? No, oh, no, 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 no. Like in the person to tell me that, that this yes. was a massive change from the books. Which it's is, a huge, massive change. And this so is like, she dies in the books. Yes. And because of all this stuff, this, worse, John. <laughs> yeah, this, I, I know. And that's why we got to talk about it. This act of aggression results in her death at the hands of Matthew. Um, and you know, it's really troubling because he, I don't think he meant to kill her, but just like what people talked about with his bloodlust, he couldn't control it and he killed her. And that's, yeah. that's the point. And it's the part that we have to grapple with. I think the thing about the show is it's realistic in the portrayal of what that lust and what actually happens, implications, impacts etc and i know they're trying to like justify it by showing like well jillian was sketchy and she really wasn't her friend and she was on the side of evil and she was giving all this information to peter knox like i get what they're trying to do and i see it and i can you know as a reader when i was reading it i can move forward but there's always that like back end of you sitting there going okay matthew like this is who he is and unlike other vampire movies or like chronicles or whatever you want to talk about it like and that's why I think I love the the show, The Vampire Diary, so much. Is like they actually did kill people, and like, and then they had to really grapple with when they came back to like reality or whenever like they turned their souls back on. Like, don't get me started on that show. But like, I did love the like ethical and moral dilemma that they had to come through when they had to go from like the bloodlust side to the actual like living without a soul side. I thought it was really fascinating. Right. Okay. So walk us back to this hunt with Diana and her mom Isabel. Isabel. So um, I think that there's a reason why this whole, all these scenes are like together and we've been talking about that. So she sits there and says like, this is the nature of vampires. You could be with my son if this is his, how could you be with my son? Like, if this is his nature, like, can you do it? <coughs> and Diana tells him like, I'm not afraid girl. And Matthew's mother is like so annoyed that it like, she cannot scare her off. Right. I love Diana like looks at her and she's like, can we go home now? And yeah, I was like, Ooh. I was like, that's, that's like a, like I'm, t I'm tired of this type of conversation. Right. It's like, they're both playing chicken with yeah, each other. Totally I are. don't know yeah. who's going to win. Cause they're both very powerful. Yeah, they totally are. And it is this fabulous. And, um, and it's like, uh, they're great actresses too. So that's what happens to me of like really great 
you know, actors playing off one of another in very different roles. And you see how they come together more like in the later episodes. And obviously you can kind of sense that if you're one of those like savvy watchers, but it's something's happening. So we go from that scene and they go back to the castle um, on a hill. And then all of a sudden we see Jillian again. And Jillian is apparently quote unquote alive. We don't really know. We get something later on as like a tidbit in another uh, later episode but she's ringing a doorbell at a coven member's house and like, she looks awful. She already looks awful. But, um, and then she's discombobulated and she, she literally looks dead. Right. Right. I thought she was dead. Um, so then we transition to like this, like kind of like private witch meeting. Um, so Knox saw two and another member of the congregation are um, discussing kind of Matthew, what he was doing with the lab. Right. Um, but there's also like some some trepidation of like why was Jillian in the lab, right? Like that's really dangerous and she shouldn't have crossed into vampire ter- territory. So I think that gives us some insight into the fact that these rules against like space invasion and like like <clears throat> they may all hate each other, but they really respect the boundaries of each creature's kind of like spaces. So there's a bit of a like Jillian did this to herself, and I'm like, uh, Knox, you told her to go, whatever. Exactly. Satu looks really annoyed with the entire conversation because I think she's starting to smell bullshit, right? Like she's starting to be like, something's not right here. Um, totally. And I think this just just goes to show like how like men are like toxic in this show when they're seeking like power. So like Knox screws ev- over everyone because he's like on this like relentless pursuit of Diana and the Ashmole, like 36,477, right? Like he, and he doesn't care who he hurts. And, you know, and I think you said it really well, like the congregation has rules for a reason. They kept them all at bay in quotes, like for as long as they do. And look, they hurt each other in the end. Like they're not hurting everyone else. They're like literally infighting. And like when these rules are broken, it's kind of like, well, we told her not to the vampires have every like like no not not quote unquote legal recourse to like take whatever action they want to like they can get back and take what's theirs if a witch steals it so it's kind of like once you break the law it's like you know op- open for everyone I, yeah i think they're all clearly kind of a little afraid of some lawlessness going on so i think again something to put in their back pocket like there's some fear of chaos um so they want to keep this like these distractions under control. Uh, So then we transition back to Diana and she's calling her aunts and she tells them about Domenico having come and, uh, and she's like, he told me about something called the the covenant. And she's like, why did you never tell me? And her aunts are like, um, it wasn't relevant to your life. You rejected all this shit, which like, obviously, like if you were always like, I don't want to hear about it. Like, how are you like, why didn't I know? Um, And then John, I think you're going to be disappointed with me again. (laughs) Um, Never. And she says, like, well, it's relevant to me now because I love him and I can't help myself. And uh, and then she says something that really, like, this this takes me back to some vampire lore and stories that I don't like. And she's like, there's no choice for me. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean there's no choice? Like, first off, girl, you're like Anna in Frozen. You've decided within 24 hours you're in love with someone um, and you're acting like it's predestined. And I... I hate that in the stories. Um, and I don't know if in the books it happens more organically and there's more of a space time there where this happens. But for her, 
after four episodes, which I think all happened within a matter of weeks, like to be like, there's no choice for me. Like, this is it. I'm a little skeptical. Like my eyebrow is a little raised because I'm like, you have agency. I'm going to keep saying that. And I don't believe in predestined anything. Then again, we do have like some premonitions and some, um, we, we do have some lore surrounding some type of couple right now. So I'm waiting to see how that all connects, right? Yeah. I mean, we get there. I mean, we get we, there. And for people that have watched all the episodes already, like you, you understand and you get that. Um, and I think I get why you're mad at this because, like, if you're just watching this in one offs, you're like, Ugh. like, I love this show. And, like, is it taking this turn? I think we're rewarded a little bit more because they pack in a narrative that unpacks, which I think you're right. feeling. So we'll right. wait for it. Um, I will say her aunts are like, the congregation is not going to be happy about this interspecies kind of a relationship. And then when they ask her, like, what does Matthew think? She's like, well, he hasn't really, like, said anything. So that's where we leave that. But then we jump to Matthew, kind of a, I will agree with you, this episode is full of mirror scenes, right? Like the hunting of Isabeau with Matthew hunting. And then we have Diana talking about her feelings and we're about to go into Matthew talking about his feelings. So we do get a lot of these mirror scenes that I think are helpful. So talk to me about White Butler. <laughs> um, so White Butler um, and Matthew are having a cup of tea, having a cup of tea. And Matthew admits he's in love with Diana. And, you know, he's confused because she didn't know about, you know, how she doesn't know about the covenant. He doesn't know much about her life in that way. He just loves her purely. Um, and that, you know, White Butler reminds Matthew, he is like, hey, it's like, hey, girl, like you're with a human. And like, it's really not as serious for Matthew, but it is really serious for the people that like play within these realms. And so Matthew is worried that, you know, kind of like how Matthew is worried that Diana doesn't know a lot of this stuff. He's also worried because Diana is also the youngest tenure professor at Yale university. Cha-ching. That's our first reference. Um, that, you know, because she's a good historian, like she has access to like LexisNexis and <laughs> she's totally saying, gonna- like, look, if my boyfriend was 1500 years old- He's like older than that. I think that's how old they said he was, but you like, know old. that I'm going to research the shit out of his life. <laughs> exactly. Like I'm going to be creeping on his Insta. I'm going to be creeping on his JSTOR articles. Like it's just, it's going to happen. JSTOR. Uh, I love, I haven't heard the word JSTOR in years. That's because we haven't been years. writing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so White Butler says, I know your past and love you. Don't let it get in your way. So he's basically trying to be like, look, I'm still your friend at the end of the day. We've all done really shitty things. Like, yeah, you like just killed Jillian. But like, you know, like, it's okay. It's all right. Right. So then we transition from this really sweet scene where White Butler really is like, dude, like, I love you and I know everything. It'll be fine to Diana and Isabeau and <clears throat> to Diana and her mother-in-law and her mother-in-law is dropping all these little crumbs, right? She's like, I mean, he's 1500 years old. And she's like touring her around this French village that um, their castle is situated on. And she's like, he was a craftsman, just like his father. And that church you see here, that was built by Matthew. Right, which I think gives us a little bit of an explanation. Like he clearly was a very religious man, um, because we've it's seen him really pray. Great. I love this scene. I think this is one of my favorite scenes. I love. Right. This scene. So when they go inside, there's um like a memorial stone on the floor that in I think it was Latin says "Peace, blessed peace," and Isabeau tells Diana, "That's the tombstone of Matthew's family. That's his wife Blanca, and his son Lucas." 
And so she tells her um, there was a fever that the three of them got, but only Blanca and Lucas um, contracted like it to the point of death. Um, and then she kind of looks at her and she goes, Matthew will always be in love with Blanca. That's his true love. And that'll never change because you can't give him a child, which ding ding lets me know that we don't believe that a vampire and a witch could sire a child. I don't think that's true. We've gotten enough like hints already. Um, but then she, uh, <clears throat> his mom says like, he's never mated in 1500 years. Like he's not about to start now, girl. And Diana's like, I'm never going to leave him. And she's like, and his mom's like, yes, you will. You're going to age and he will not. Like your life will go on. His will not. And, um, and she just oh, you know what scene I you know what scene I always remembered about this is that scene in Lord of the Rings where like yes. um, Liv Tyler's character is like yes. walking around with her father, the elf king or whatever, <laughs> and they're like because they're immortal and they're like, well, you're going to see him age. And I love how right. I love that scene because it's reversed and it's like, how can you like an immortal woman like a pure being like love immortal or right. whatever? And I think another like reverse of this that I've always really liked is Anne Rice's. Um, interview with the vampire with the young female vampire the very young female vampire being told like you'll never like develop breasts like you will never become anyone's sexual fantasy unless they're like a pervert like you are stuck for eternity that's that little girl what's the name kirsten dunce plays her. kirsten dunce's character yes um but yeah a, a very a tropey type of scene we've seen it quite a bit in vampire um novels but a great scene and so diana's processing all this and she kind of gets a little bit sad and i'm like hopefully she's coming to terms with not how this is all going to work out but that she doesn't know him yet you know that she doesn't know him there's a lot to find out they're, they're different um so it's not just an idealistic love like if you're going to love someone you need to know everything about them and then not everything in a creepy way but you might want to know that he was married before <laughs> and um and then also what a life together would look like when you're both to different species at this point um yeah and then isabeau to give kind of the final like nail on the head which i thought was kind of great she goes you know i sired matthew in this church no one knew if he jumped or he slipped from the steeple so the assumption is the sadness of losing blanca and lucas led to him jumping from the top of the church um, probably broke his neck and that's where isabeau finds him and offers him eternal life um, and she says he was so like, incapacitated in that moment that she's not even sure he knew what he agreed to, but that the person he became after he did become a vampire is not who Diana knows today. Like that he was raging and he would disappear for time, like for a multitude of time and like that he was feeding all the time. Um, so clearly that was like a very dark period in his life. And I think again, she's trying to scare her, scare Diana a bit. Um, she says, and she even says, my husband had to protect me from knowing who Matthew had become, right? So I think that's important to know that, like, he's obviously afraid of her looking into his past. And, like, his mom is saying, if you want to be afraid, look into his past, which. Eesh. Yeah, you know what this scene reminds me of? Tell me. Buffy season two when Angel goes crazy. <laughs> and you find out that, like, he's killed all the gypsies. So and true. Your, and it breaks your heart because you're like, Angel, no. So true. So true. So um, we go back to the congregation, everyone's favorite church. Um, and everyone is super confused at Matthew's transgression. They're like, what's going on? And vampires volunteer to go retrieve Diana. And Baldwin, Matthew's brother, and the head of the congregation volunteers to get her himself. And he does not want creatures, like, 
other people that are not vampires coming anywhere near his ancestral home. He's like, listen, like stay out. Yep. Yep. And so Satu, um, because our favorite Scandinavian witch always kind of looks this way. She's a great actress, but she looks pissed. And so um, she sits there and she's like wondering, well, you know, they must find a way to look for, um, to like look inside Diana. And it's kind of a magical spell that is alluded to that has a payoff in the next episode. But Knox says to her that that type of magic, which is called an opening spell, is nearly always deadly and too dangerous. And Knox is super protective of Diana in this moment, saying like, Satu, like I know like I put you on this mission, but like now I got to stop you because also I haven't told you everything. So like you can't do this. And Satu's really confused. And so um, Satu is like wondering, like have people ever considered kind of working with other vampires to bring down Baldwin and Matthew because they see the Declaremont as like having this humongous power and authority over a lot of people. So they're really wondering like, okay, so if the witches are really trying to get back into power, like what can we do? Um, and Knox is really interesting in these couple of scenes. Like he's really upset. He doesn't like treason or disorder. He likes keeping the, the lines in like each specific like path and he doesn't like inter, you know, like commingling them. So it's really interesting to see how he is, you know, interacting with Satu. Cause he's like, Hey, like enough, like it's a no. Um, so then um, what we see then is we come back to this young meeting of a bunch of demons like creatures and they're criticizing the congregation. And that's Nathaniel and Sophie um, who we've met in episodes past um, who are a part of this group. And what we find out and we continue to pay off is if you all remember a few episodes ago, Marcy's like, like what's going on with this Sophie girl? Yeah, like, I was so confused. So confused. Still confused. We're, <laughs> we're still confused, but we're starting to see a little bit more because that Sophia has this need to find Diana because she has a statue of Diana, but she's been having dreams about her and so she wants to talk to Agatha and she has a premonition about what she is and what she needs to do and so we're kind of like that's the end of that scene but we kind of get these little like subplots so it's almost like a C B subplot because it pays into something later on in the last episode of the season but we're it's be, we're being guided along in this way and then basically um, we go back to our favorite youngest tenure professor at Yale University, Diana, we're back in France. She's working on her 25th dissertation. <laughs> and she begins um, snooping in an ancient desk, um, which, by the way, if you're ever in front of an ancient desk in an old vampire home, snoop away. Like, you right, just... I feel like, like that's a given. I'd be like, that's a rule. A like, <laughs> you would, like, find me, yeah. like like covered in like jewels and tiaras being like i don't know where they came from i don't know i have no idea where i got this jewel i have no right. idea i don't know but it looks, so great. Nice. I look but it looks great, great on emerald. you right? <laughs> yeah so yeah she's so as she's working desk. on her oh, yep. no, she's snooping in this desk and i think that like okay john you have to tell me no you don't actually because it would be a spoiler but she she finds stuff that belongs to lucas and like his ex his ex-wife his dead wife and i'm like i don't care but then she finds a box holding some like references to lazarus of bethany um lazarus being the character character the biblical reference to a man brought back from the dead um i'm gonna put this in my back pocket as being very important <laughs> you'll have to find out <laughs> i think it's very important i think um the biblical allegories throughout this entire series are not a coincidence i think Matthew's religiosity is not a coincidence and finding something about a character that never dies right from scripture is important as well so 
from here we jump back to Matthew. He's at the lab and he's like sniffing a piece of Diana's hair. <laughs> and I think Which that we makes, all do. Well, right. And that makes him miss her. So he calls her. Um, she tells her that his mom has been entertaining her with stories about his past life. And <clears throat> he tells her not to worry. And they both kind of, they're both kind of giving each other like very nice platitudes, but not telling each other that like, hey, like I know a lot more about your life now. And, and Matthew's not saying like, hey, I, I pretty much killed that other lady. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how this develops. I think they'd trust each other, but not enough. And that's always a problem and a plot twist later on, I think. Um, so Matthew decides to test that strand of hair because he wants to find out what's make, what makes Diana different, right? What makes her the chosen one? And then there's this like sexy montage of him doing some DNA work. And then Miriam comes Which is in. always sexy. I mean, DNA is always sexy, right? <laughs> Miriam comes in and finds Matthew and he's like looking incredulous and he's like have you looked at these blood markers like and she's like yeah they didn't match any specific one and he was like no they don't match a specific one and he hands her this piece of paper and they both kind of look at each other and they're like this changes everything and so matthew tells miriam like i need you to test these again and then i need to go tell diana what we've discovered and i'm like yelling at my tv i'm like what did you discover i don't know what it is please tell me please tell me <laughs> So we're waiting to find out what exactly her DNA says, like what the markers say. My guess is Ravenclaw, but I could be wrong. It could be Hufflepuff. Uh, I was wondering if you were going to make a Harry Potter reference. There it there is. There Boo, I'm always, first and foremost, I'm always myself. <laughs> so Always be yourself. Always myself. So Marta, white nana, uh, wakes Diana up and tells her that Matthew's on his way. They have like little sensors that let them know when other vampires are on their way. So she runs out to meet him in a fabulous sweater and she's like, tell me. And he goes, if I do, there's no turning back. And then she's like, tell me. So he puts his hand up. He's not telling her shit. He puts his hand up. She puts her hand up and they link hands. And I guess that's how you get married in which wizard world? I don't know. I'm like, I don't remember. definitely how you do it. Well, then I got married in like when I was five to like Zach Lefkowitz at Santa Clarita Elementary. Do I need to let him know? Yeah. I mean, first of all, you need to tell your husband because you're a, <laughs> you're, you're a bigamist. Polygamist if I'm Mormon. <laughs> you know, that, which by the way, Big Love is an amazing show. Big Love is one of our favorite shows. But okay, so they link hands. They're now married because he's like, from this moment, we will all be one. It's literally like that moment in Avatar. Your powers combined. Right. Like, it's like Avatar when they shake tails together. And it's like, that's it. That's it. So Isabeau's watching this strange Avatar ritual. And she's really disappointed. And she lets them know it. She's like, what have you done? And then when Matthew's like, we'll leave the house if you're unhappy. She's like, um, I've never deserted you, bitch. <laughs> Why would I do that now? You're my beloved son. Keyword, beloved son. That is a biblical reference. So... I immediately think of all of the, the beloved sons uh, in scripture. And, you know, you could go everything from like Cain and Abel to, to Joseph to Jesus Christ, literally. So I'm putting that in my back pocket with the Lazarus reference because I think that's important. And then Isabel looks at um, Diana and is like, well, you're my daughter now. So your fight is my fight. And the women of the de Clermont family defend themselves and you're going to be no different. And I love that scene because it was kind of a like, all right, I tried to stop y'all, but now that y'all are a thing, we're family ride or die, which is great. 
I yeah, I think it's a really beautiful scene, and we've been talking about this this episode about like how we're gonna get there with those two, and like we're here, like, and I think as if you can tell um with anything with Matthew's mother, like when she says like, "Hey, you my homegirl," like you're her homegirl. Yeah, you're and her she, home girl for lives. Yeah, you're her homegirl for lives, and she is definitely not going anywhere. For sure. And, Exactly. So um, Satu's on the run. So that's kind of like a mini cutaway. She's going somewhere. We don't know. If you've read the book, you know. Um, But we go back to Venice and Juliet's father pulls out Marcy's favorite accessory that she walks around Florida with because I would see people walking around Florida with a person. Get out of here. (laughs) Right. Is that going to, I think that's going to be our news story of the week next week. Oh yeah, for sure. A Florida woman found with a Florida woman head in closet. Yeah. So um, there's a woman's head in there, by the way. Um, And she's, uh, we start finding out more that this is a witch and she's been trapped for centuries. And um, the vampire blood he feeds her keeps her alive because, hello, she doesn't have a body. Um, And so he keeps asking her, and we've been talking about this, um, but she wonders, uh, you know, he's like, hey, what's the prophecy? And he's wondering, is Diana the witch from this prophecy? And the lady in the box, the woman's head in the box says the blood of the witch and the the blood of the lion and the wolf. So we have a lot of stuff that we have to unpack well, and here. And then she kind of says like, there's two witches, light and dark. Yeah. One's close. And I'm like, I really, I know that I might be staking all my hope on this not being a Satu Diana story, but I think, I think this is talking about Satu and Diana. They're unnaturally strong. Yeah, they really are. And one, um, one obviously I think you can tell comes from a certain lineage and the other one does as well and so what we're really seeing here is um Satu in the story in the book doesn't have as much character development I think I've talked about this before and so the show really is building up more of her character here and you're trying to like figure out like what part like what is she playing in this story or in the in this tale and I like it because it's giving her a lot more background because the actress that plays her is incredible and and I think her and Diana, as we see in later episodes, have really strong um, scenes together. Um, and it's really interesting to watch them. But basically, you know, the lady in the box, <laughs> the lady's head in the box uh, says, beware the witch with the blood of the lion and the wolf. So obviously, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, who, who is this witch? I mean, there's, she's obviously talking about two, light and dark, but then there's one witch with this type of blood. So who is it? Right. So then, and I'm going to kind of go through this like quickly because I don't have time to go through a 10 minute sex montage. But Which we all always hear for listeners. We always are always here for. here for it. Always here for it. Just like press rewind a couple times and you can, you can catch it. Um, so Matthew finally gets to talk to Diana about those DNA samples. And he tells her that she, and I think this is, I guess, a big deal because we had speculated that this was the case for some stuff. So apparently most witches have maybe one elemental marker, water, wind, earth, fire. Um, Diana has all of them. And he's, he's completely surprised by it because they haven't seen that in thousands of years. And that her magic seems to be like waking up from like a very long sleep and it wants to get out. Um, and she reminds him, like, you know, my parents were persecuted for their powers, which I think is her way of saying this isn't good. Like, this is how my parents died. Like, they were too powerful. Um, and Matthew's like, we'll face this together. And then there's, like, an extremely long sex scene that's deliciously, like, 
sexy. <laughs> and uh, I will say he's covered in scars and he was like a little embarrassed to be like, you know, you might not like what you see. And it's like, dude, you've made it through like 1500 years with like, you're not even at warmonger level scars. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and also like you have that face. <laughs> um, and so then we go back to but like a weird scene with Juliet and Domenico um, and Domenico's corner Juliet in Venice and all he's doing is taunting her to make to make her want to go after Diana. So he's like, Matthew's moved on, like, you know, like, uh, he's with a witch now. And Juliet's like, that's bullshit. Like, Matthew loves me. Like, he belongs to me. And like, he would never do that. And then Dominico's like, yeah, you might want to check on that. And um, he's just baiting her, but it's clearly like a backup plan for Dominico of how to get rid of Diana is send a crazy ass ex-girlfriend, which is bananas. Uh, and she takes a bait, and Juliet kind of says, like, screw Venice, and she's, like, on her way to find Diana and Matthew with her crazy ex-girlfriend eyes. Gotta go, which, by the way, love that show still. We always give it a shout-out. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is the best show ever. Best show ever. And, John, and Juliet walk- should star in the last episode, just saying. Yes. Walk us through the last scene. Okay. So, like every good tenured professor at Yale University who's in love with a vampire and who has mystical properties in her DNA that are leading to a war among factions for creatures, demons, vampires, and witches. When you have sex with your hot, old, scarred vampire boyfriend oh, whoa, and he's whoa. tired. He's old? Well, he's not old, but I mean, like, he's you know. Years old. He's like old in quotes. But like, of course, like, what do you do after like a completely satisfying night of like sexy time? I hate people time? who do this. Um, they get up at the butt crack of dawn and they go for a run in the garden. Where are the people who after a long night of like like fantasy sex go and have pizza? Those are my or, or like egg McMuffins. Pizza. <laughs> or Taco Bell. Or something. I'll tell you what, I'm not running. No, no absolutely not. Like I, no. <laughs> and so um she goes out for a run in like, you know, her amazing runner suit because she has fabulous clothes. And she's going around running in the gardens and she hears something in the bushes. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, Satu is flying, grabs her, and off they go. End of episode. End scene. Amazing. Yeah, that's the end of the episode. Literally, Diana makes the wrong choice to go exercise and it costs Which her, her life. Because it's always the wrong choice. It costs her her life. Point of moral of the story this week is don't exercise. Moral of the story this week is don't exercise, <laughs> don't sexually harass people, and, um, you know, don't run. Don't run. Just don't run. <laughs> it is. I just have to say, like, this episode, I know it started, like, kind of making us both angry here and there. But at the end of the day, I love how it ended because you're like, oh, shit. Like, we have three episodes left. Like, here we go. And if you've read yeah. the books, like, this is that scene in the books where, like, you don't like, stop reading. This is reading. where everything's about to go buck wild. Yeah, you don't stop reading after this point. You're like, okay, like, gotta finish this book um, because it just all goes on from here. And, um, and it's quite incredible. I mean, we've both seen all the rest of the episodes. Um, something is coming. And I'm excited you know, for next week when we cover the next episode. I really like this next episode. So I think this might be the next week's episode might be my favorite episode. Hey, well, everyone, we want to say thank you for listening. Um, we are always so thrilled to interact with you guys online. Um, come find us on Twitter. Uh, and next week's episode is going to be probably one of my favorites because it is one of my favorite episodes. So very excited. All right. See y'all later. Bye everyone.